Praise the Lord. Good to see everyone here this evening. Amen. What an awesome opportunity we have again tonight to enter into the presence of God, to receive of Him everything He has in store. Praise God. Uh, before we start, just a couple of announcements. Um, a reminder that next Wednesday's, Wednesday's service will be canceled. Uh, Thanksgiving is the following Thursday. A lot of people are going to be out of town visiting family. Uh, so we're just going to go ahead and cancel Wednesday service. Please enjoy time with family and friends. Uh, amen. And we'll come back the following Sunday. Praise God. Uh, some of you may have noticed, maybe not all of you did, but it's snowed t- today, yesterday. And it's, it's kind of that season now. Uh, it's going to be that way probably till springtime, more or less. And uh, so... Uh, just a reminder of the inclement weather policy we have here at the church. If church is going to be canceled, uh, you will get a text either from myself or from Sister Shepherd, the, the church secretary, stating that. Uh, if you don't receive a text, uh, and we're going to try to get that out to you uh, as soon as is possible, uh, give us time to make a, a good decision on that, uh, but give you time to, to make plans around that as well. So if you don't receive that text, then we are going to be having church. Uh, but uh, if you look outside and see that the weather is, is kind of making you nervous, use your best judgment. Uh, that's okay. Uh, if you feel like the weather is, is not conducive to travel, uh, then just please stay home. Uh, we'll have church here. We're going to post it online. Amen. We want to see you here. Uh, but if you don't feel like it's safe, then stay home. Okay, use your best judgment on that. Amen. Also, uh, you guys remember Ethan? Uh, he's moving back to the area. Amen. So that's good news. <coughs> uh, so pray for that. Pray for that situation. I talked to him a little bit uh, the other day, and uh, he promises me, he assures me, he's going to be back in church. So, amen. I want to make sure of that. Praise God. All right, let's all stand. God's Word is awesome. Amen. I love the Word of God. And I love, uh, I love truth. I love, I love God. I'll more on that later. I'm getting ahead of myself. For now, let's pray. Let's ask God to keep me on track and to uh, bless this service. He has, a, he has plans for this service. He has plans for each and every one person that's here tonight. Amen. That His will would be accomplished. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. You're a mighty, glorious, wondrous Savior. I heap glory and honor unto You tonight, Thou Most High God. I am so thankful for Your Word. I am so thankful for truth, the revelation of truth, the revelation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the revelation of who You are. Thank You, Jesus, that You enlighten us day by day. Hallelujah, Jesus. I pray that You would continue to do so, that You would lead us and guide us into all truth. I pray, Lord Jesus, that You would lead and guide this church, that You would order our steps aright as individuals and as families, that You would order our steps aright. Hallelujah, Jesus. We seek Your face tonight. We seek wisdom, knowledge, and instruction from You. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that this would be received, that we would do 
and not here only, and that your name would be glorified in our midst tonight. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Amen. This is going to be the conclusion tonight of our study on Genesis 1-11. through uh, It's going to be a little bit of a different conclusion uh, for reasons I will mention here momentarily. But our scripture texts are going to be taken from the book of Ezekiel chapter 33 and also in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Ezekiel 33 and then we'll jump down, jump up, however you want to look at it, to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 33, starting with verse 1, says, Again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coasts, and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet, and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet, and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come, and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come, and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth, and warn them, from me. Amen. Also, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. The Bible says this, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Amen. Now, before I go any farther in this study, I want to lay a few ground rules. I want to, I want to establish a few things as being absolutely true. There are parts of this message where I may sound like I am frustrated or angry. That is false. That is not true. I might be frustrated and angry at the enemy. I might be frustrated and angry maybe at myself. But not you, not any person, not any group of people. Okay? That will simply be not true. Okay? Uh, Another thing I want to establish is that... uh, The reason for our format tonight is because I have received constructive criticism from uh, many of you on this this lesson. And I want to say thank you. That's exactly what I wanted all of you to do. Not necessarily specifically for this, but I want you to come to me if you have questions. I want you to come to me if you feel like uh, I'm saying something wrong, doing something wrong. And you guys... Every one of you that has come to me and talked to me about this has done it perfectly. You've done it respectfully. You've done it one-on-one. Perfect. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Continue to do that. The reason I'm using this format tonight is because I feel like there are probably others in this congregation who, for one reason or another, have not felt comfortable coming and speaking with me about this. And so... Most, if not all, of everything we're going to cover tonight, I have covered in previous lessons. But as the saying goes, if there's no learning being accomplished, the teacher's not teaching, right? 
So that's on me. I want to make absolutely sure that these things are established. Okay? Because otherwise the rest of it just is, it doesn't matter. These things need to be established first. So, not angry? Thank you. Okay. Summing it up. Okay. So, some of the things I've heard from people are this. You're going to chuckle. I'm above people's heads. I'm out of the Word of God. This topic just doesn't matter. Who cares how old the earth is? Okay. Good questions. Good, good criticisms. Okay? Again, I, I had thought that I had covered these things previously. But that hasn't been the case. Okay? So, I want to answer those. And the reason, again, for this format is because I feel like there's probably other people here who have these or similar questions or concerns that I want to address for them as well. Okay. Now, over people's heads. Probably, possibly, uh, to the extent that is true, that's on me. Okay? There's a reason for it. And I'm going to go into those reasons here in a little bit. Okay? Uh but I want to say at the outset, um, and please understand, I'm saying these things out of love, not because I'm defensive. Okay? I want to make sure we understand that. The difference between ignorance and understanding boils down simply to effort, to motivation. To desire. Okay? We all, all of us in this building, have the ability to pick these things up. It's not lack of ability that we're talking about. Let me throw some examples out. Some of you are expert builders. You're very intelligent when it comes to that. Me, I'm lucky if I get the saw pointed in the right direction. And I'm almost literally being true here. I'm not at all intelligent when it comes to mechanical things. Some of you are very intelligent when it comes to mechanical things. Some of you know every statistic of sports, figures, you can throw them right out there. You can memorize facts and figures like that. Why is that? Because you have a desire to do so. It interests you. You're fascinated by that. Okay. Now, if I have the motivation to learn something, if I have the motivation to stretch and grow, now, again, I'm not saying that you have to memorize all the technical jargon. Okay? That's not what I'm saying. Do I have to know the decay rates of a certain radioactive isotope to win someone to the Lord? Absolutely not. I think we all understand that. But there are reasons for understanding the concepts behind that. 
And that's what I want us to at least be familiar with. I'm exposing these things to you for a reason. I'm not asking you to memorize all of them. I'm not asking you to be uh, geological experts. I'm not asking you to be any of that. I want us exposed to these things. And for a reason. We'll go into it in a little bit. But we can become familiar with them. When someone starts spewing this stuff, when, when we read it in a news article, when we see it on, on the news. Now you're familiar with that. Now you know a little bit of the background of that. Okay. So we do need to stretch ourselves and we do need to grow, especially in today's day and age. Okay. The saints of God are not stupid. You're not. I'm not. Now, we all of us can be a bit lazy from time to time. Myself included. But we're not stupid. And I'm tired of hearing that you are. You're not. You're not. Okay. More on the specifics of that in a moment. Reasons to care how old the earth is. Why does it even matter? Thousands, millions, billions, who cares? Well, first of all, the enemy sure cares. You may want to be neutral on the topic, but the enemy is not neutral on the topic. The enemy insists on billions of years. Why is that? Why does it matter so much to them? When it doesn't matter at all to us. It matters because a literal reading of Scripture gives a very specific timeline. Why is that even in there in the first place? If it doesn't matter. First, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And all Scripture is profitable. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Perhaps if it, you know, if it wasn't found in Scripture, I probably wouldn't care either. But it is. It's in the Word of God. And that's why I care. That's why we need to care. The Gospel of Jesus Christ depends on it. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17 says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Establishing right here in Genesis chapter 2 is the doctrine of sin. It's the doctrine that when mankind sins, the result of that is death. It's not the other way around, folks. Adam and Eve were not standing on millions of years of dead things before they sinned. If that rock is millions and billions of years old, that's what you're telling me. And that's why it matters. If death comes before sin, folks, well, let's keep going. Romans 5 and 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. 
And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Again, in Romans we see that death is a result of sin. Romans 6 and 16 says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Romans 6.23, very familiar passage. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 7 and 5 says, For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members being, bring, to bring forth fruit unto death. Sin brings forth fruit unto death. James 1 and 15 says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The only reason Jesus had to die on a cross... Why couldn't He have just waved His hand and forgiven everyone? Isn't He God? Couldn't He have just said, you're forgiven? Why did He have to die? Because that's the punishment for sin. He paid the punishment of my sin, which is death. His blood had to be spilt. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. If death comes before sin, folks, that was irrelevant. All of these verses I just read are wrong. And we're dead. We are yet in our sins. The age of that rock matters. The age of the earth matters. It establishes the fact that the Bible is true. In everything that it speaks about, the Bible is true. We could not have a spiritual resurrection without the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection. None of that was necessary if death comes before sin. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 13-22 through 22 says, But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life we only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die... Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So the age of the earth matters, folks. It matters because it matters to the enemy. The enemy is most insistent that this is not a young earth, it's a very old earth. They need a very old earth. In a more general sense, folks, not just with this, but with anything 
that comes against Scripture or is contrary to Scripture, there is no reason, there is no reason at all, no good reason, to try to reconcile faulty science or faulty philosophy with a perfectly good Bible. None. We can take Scripture as it is presented to us and stand on that. We can. We need to. Okay. I'm out of the Word of God. Respectfully, sir, ma'am, I disagree. I am most certainly, as I see it, in the Word of God. Genesis 5, Genesis chapter 10, Genesis 11, 1 Chronicles 1 through 8, Matthew 1, Luke 3. All include genealogies. Most are simply a list of who begat who, showing generations, showing ancestor descendant relationship. But there are two chapters, only two Genesis chapter 5 and Genesis chapter 11 that show us specific timelines. And so and so begat so and so, and he lived X amount of years afterward and he died. And it continues like that. Why Genesis 5 and Genesis 11? Why only these two? Well, I'm speculating here. But I believe that they're in there because God knew that we would need that someday. Genesis 1 through 11 are the most contested chapters in all of Scripture. There are reasons for that as well. But Genesis 5 gives us from Adam to Noah. Genesis 11 gives us from Noah to Abram. After Abram, we're good. We have records. We have whatever it is that you feel like you need to see that the Bible is true. Genesis 5 and Genesis 11 serve as our record, showing us specifically how much time passed between Adam and Abraham, or Abram. Amen. I understand that these topics are not specifically found in Scripture. I do understand that. But, I mean, neither is church history found in Scripture. Neither are other doctrines, extra-biblical doctrines. Who here has heard of preterism? We don't see that in Scripture. It uses Scripture... But we teach on that. Other religions. Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. These are all good things to know, things to, to, to teach and to learn about. But they're not found in Scripture. They use biblical principles. They use, they use Scriptures found in the Word of God. But this topic, although specifics are not found in Scripture. The topic itself is derived from Scripture. 
The reason we're bringing it up in the first place is because it's being used as an apologetic against Scripture. Now, this is going to serve as the conclusion of this lesson. I have received, I have received everything that that you guys have said to me. I've prayed about it. I've sought God. I've looked at, at Scripture about these things. At some point, I'm going to continue the teaching on this stuff. But, it's going to be reworked. I'm going to take my time with it. I do feel like it's very important in today's days and age to at least be exposed to these ideas. To become familiar with them. Reasons I'm going to continue teaching are these. Paradigms take a long time to break through. Paradigms are simply ways that we look at the world. Some might say that they're, they're biases, uh, one way or the other. Some examples of paradigms are Galileo coming against the Church of Rome. It was thought for many centuries that the sun revolved around the earth. Galileo said, actually, respectfully, that's not true. It's the opposite. What happened to to Mr. Galilei? It wasn't received that well. But he was right. He was absolutely right. Jesus, the first century church, and the Jews... Jesus came to establish an entirely new covenant with mankind. He was coming to fulfill the Old Testament Scripture. But by and large, the Jews as a nation, they couldn't see it. If we look at some of our, uh, our early preachers in oneness Pentecostalism, Some of the things that they endured because of what they believed. I feel, I believe that looking through Scripture, they were spot on. Absolutely right. But most people didn't see it that way. Paradigms take a long time to break through. For a long time, the church has largely just rolled over. When we have been told... Science says this, science says that, therefore, you've got to go with the science. Is that what we have to do? Is that really what we have to do? And if not, why? If so, why? There's this incessant desire to reconcile Scripture with so-called science. And I think that desire is based partly in the fact that scientists are able to overwhelm us with technical jargon and scientific-sounding terminology, and they can use that to browbeat us into submission. 
They publish these technical papers. They give these technical sounding speeches. And, well, I don't know. It sounds like he knows what he's talking about. It must be true. Well, now you've been exposed to some of that technical jargon and you understand at least what it's trying to say. I'm taking it a step farther and showing you that they either don't know what they're talking about and we don't have to listen to them, not at the expense of Scripture, or they know exactly what they're saying. They're lying. But they're saying it anyway. Because they're committed not to Scripture, but to something else. I'm going to continue teaching on this topic because I'm the watchman of this church. Respectfully, and in the fear of God, I say this. At the end of the day, I receive warning, I receive word from God. Not from anyone else. I receive counsel. I receive uh, wisdom. I receive advice. You better believe it. I'd be a fool not to. But at the end of the day, folks, when I stand up here and present something, I answer to God for that. I'm cognizant of that fact. I recognize that. If you feel like I am out of the will of God, if you feel like I'm... I mean this. I really do mean this. If you feel that, continue to come talk with me. Pray for me that God will speak through me again. Okay? What I don't want, I've said this before, I'm going to continue to say it. I don't need to be right. I need to be saved. And when I stand up here, though, as much as, as much as, with the help of God, as, as much as I can, I want to be confident that I'm speaking the Word of God. Not my Word. Not your Word. God's Word. It's got to be that way. I'm going to continue preaching this and teaching this because... This is more and more becoming a huge obstacle to someone receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I was just speaking with uh, Brother McGinnis a little bit ago about different generations and how, how they come to the Lord. And he was saying that, you know, when he came to the Lord, he didn't really get a lot of discipleship. And I think that's probably true for most people, uh, most of our elders, at least Elders that I've spoken with, they relate pretty much the same thing. But I think, I think it's always been necessary, but I really do think like it's going to be more necessary today than it was maybe 50 years ago. And the reason is, 50 years ago, most people were coming from a religious background. 
They were Christians. They were born and raised Lutheran, born and raised Methodist, born and raised Catholic, coming into greater truth. But more and more, folks, we're going to get people coming through these doors that have never been exposed to this at all. Never. We're going to get people coming through those doors that have been persuaded that the Bible is wrong for these reasons. We're going to get people coming through those doors that they know that homosexuality is natural and good. We're going to get people walking through those doors who are in the process of or have had sex change operations. It's a different world out there today than it was 50 years ago. I don't like it any more than you do, but that's where we're at, folks. The philosophies that are flying around out there are way different than they were 50 years ago. Or at least more prevalent. Maybe we should say it that way. There's nothing new under the sun. But more and more it's being taught and preached blatantly, arrogantly, to the expense of truth. And that's something that we need to get out in front of. Bishop said something at our SOAR conference a little bit ago that I thought was profound. A lot of times we're reacting to situations here in the church. That ought not so to be. We should be out in front of this stuff. We should be proactive with these things. We have the Spirit of God residing in us. The Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of knowledge, understanding. We can receive from God what's coming down the pike. As the pastor, as the watchman, I'm telling you, this is one of those things that's coming down the pipe. And we need to be prepared for it. We need to be equipped to deal with these situations when they come in through our, build, our, our church doors. rather than being blindsided by it and not having a clue what they're talking about or what to do with it. We need to be prepared. We need to be ready when they come to us. Because God died for them. He loves them wherever they're at. Whatever mess they're coming out of. He wants to heal them. He wants to fix them up. He wants to clean them up. Fill them with the Holy Ghost. But there are going to be obstacles in that process that need to be overcome. At the end of the day, it's going to be God that does it. Yeah, I'm not saying that we, that we can just learn a script or, or, or figure out a, a five-step pattern and, and they're just going to be right as rain. That's not what I'm saying. But one of our responsibilities is to teach. Teach the Word. And we need to give them answers out of the Word of God for the questions that they have. We need to give responses from the Word of God to the objections that they have. Amen. 
We need a solid understanding of Scripture. And we also cannot be ignorant of the enemy's devices. This is the enemy's device of the age. Statistically speaking, this comes from several sources, this is the single biggest objection to Christianity today. Don't you think we ought to at least be aware of it? All right, why all the technical jargon? Psalm 11 and 3 says, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I apply that this way tonight. If the book of Genesis is overthrown, if the book of Genesis is demonstrated to, at best, be allegories, stories that that relate spiritual truths, at worst, outright false. Because science has demonstrated it's false. Where does the rest of the book fall? That's why Genesis 1-11 through is the most contested portion of Scripture that there is. That's our foundation. Most every doctrine that we believe, preach, teach today finds its origins in the book of Genesis. The Bible... God's Word is still true altogether. I don't care what arguments the enemy comes up with. It's true absolutely. I seek perhaps to soar up those foundations that have been and still are under such intense assault both by the world and by Christians. Christians are some of the biggest opponents of a literal reading of Genesis. We have professors in seminaries today that doubt whether Scripture is even true. What kind of students do you think they're going to produce? I feel like this is, it's not the need, but it is certainly a need of the hour today that we live in. And as we continue to be exposed to these ideas that they're being taught eight hours a day, five days a week, we'll be familiar with it. We'll have some idea of where they're coming from. I'm not saying you need to know all the phraseology. You don't need to be reading the technical journals. You don't need to do any of that. That's not what I'm saying. Just be familiar with the concepts. Just be familiar with the concepts. This, along with anything else, is only over our head if I allow it to be. If I find the proper motivation 
to understand the concepts, to be familiar with the ideas behind this. I'm able to do that. Just like if I applied myself, I could, I could build a car from scratch. I could, I could learn how to do that. If I applied myself, I could learn how to play the piano. I could do that. I have the natural ability. I have sufficient intellect. My fingers are short and they're not really conducive to it, but I could figure it out. I could be competent. People saying, oh, God, God sure gave you a gift. I believe that God gives us raw ability. And some people He does give a gift like that. But by and large, folks, He gives everybody the raw talent. He gives everybody sufficient intellect to be able to apply themselves to do that. That's God's gift to all of us. It's just if we have proper motivation. Do we have enough want to? Do we have enough why? Reasons to do that. These topics are going to be continued to be taught by me as long as I feel a need to sound the warning. I will only include as much technical information as is necessary to properly understand and to be properly and fully exposed to an issue, a topic. No more, but no less either. Again, this isn't a science class. I understand that. I get that. This is church. This is a Bible study. Absolutely. Did you know that religion, Christianity, has some pretty technical terms as well? Eschatology. Soteriology, exegesis, pneumatology, homiletics. We're all very familiar with all of these, right? That's Christianity. Now, do I need to know the difference between apophatic and cataphatic theology to go to heaven? I hope not, because I only learned that today. For this very reason. Do I need to know the decay rates of uranium-235 to win someone to the Lord? No. No, I I don't need to know either one of those things. But the more I do know, the more I apply myself to learn and to grow, the more effective I can be in the kingdom of God. The more people I'll be able to minister, the more situations I'll be able to give an answer for. We all want to be effective in the kingdom of God. We do. That's why we're here tonight. It's not God's plan and God's will for me to get the Holy Ghost and then just warm this pew here till He comes to get me. We all know that. We all understand that. You know, 
we hear a lot about needing to get out of our comfort zone. Well, this is a pretty big comfort zone for people. Not this specifically, but learning, growth. It seems like the older we get, the more resistant we are to new ideas, to new skills, to new concepts, generally speaking. But we need to continue to learn and to grow. We do. Particularly the Word of God. First and foremost. We're not going to get everything we need right here, folks. In a church service. I'm not going to ask our bishop to stand and answer the question, but I would be very curious to know in Brother Parker's total sum of knowledge of Scripture and and his relationship with God, how he understands God, how much of that total sum of knowledge came from sitting in church services? And how much of it came because he applied himself outside of church services to learn, to study, to grow? I can speak for myself. Most of what I know of Scripture did not come by sitting in a church service. It came because at some point, God placed in my heart, hey, you can do this outside of church too. It's perfectly fine. You can read, you can read my word at work. You can read my word after work, before work. Yeah, yeah let's do it on the way to work. We need to apply ourselves. We need to discipline ourselves. We need to do this thing intentionally and on purpose to grow and to learn and to strive for the mastery. To be apt to teach. Because the people that are going to be coming here, they're going to have questions. Serious questions. They're looking for answers. Where are they going to get their answers? It needs to be in here, right? What if they don't get an answer? Yeah, absolutely. They're going to get an answer somewhere. pray to God that they find their answers here in Scripture from a Holy Ghost-filled child of God. That's our privilege. That's our responsibility is to become, to become all we can be. To become everything Jesus created us to be. Everything He desires us to be. He's given us the raw ability. He's given us the tools. The raw materials. He's given us the talents. And He's telling us, go multiply them. Go multiply what I've given you. Do something with those things. Now, we don't all have the same talents, the same abilities. I understand that too. And thank God for that.
It takes all of God's people to do all of God's work. Because not, no one of us has everything. We all of us have something. And we need to develop that. We need to work on that. Every day of our lives until Jesus comes, we dedicate ourselves to learning and to growth, to becoming Christ-like. Amen. Hope this didn't weird you out. I love all you guys so very much. And again, thank you for coming to me and speaking with me. I truly mean that from the bottom of my heart. I do receive correction. I do receive instruction. I covet your prayers. Thank you for praying for me. Interceding for me. Amen. Together we're going to get this. Together we're going to win in Jesus' name. Praise God. God has the victory, folks. Whatever victory we have need of. Some of us need a victory over that next book. Pick up that next book. Start reading it. Amen. I don't know how many people I talked to, they stopped reading when they got their high school diploma. I can't imagine that. We need to be reading, folks. Particularly the Word of God. Study to show yourselves approved. Workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to study. We need to grow in grace and in knowledge of the word of God. We're on our way to Christ's likeness. That doesn't happen by accident. It happens on purpose. Let's all stand. Please remember again, no service next Wednesday. The following Wednesday, we're going to start something brand new, something exciting. I'll let you know when I do. Let's all pray. Lord Jesus, you're an awesome God. I am so thankful for you and for your so great salvation. Thank you for the people of God that you have, uh, that you have rooted and grounded here, that you have planted in this place. I pray a blessing upon each person here within the sound of my voice. In the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you bring us back to the house of God at the day appointed. Keep us safe on the roads. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.